0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everyday Linux, episode 170. I've named many, many shows. Recorded November 23rd, 2014, and brought to you by Element OP Productions. ElementOP.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Linux show that's not about Linux, but about life in the context of Linux. I am your host, Mark the Sultan of of the Soapbox, and joining me, as always only not so much lately. Uh are your stalwart co-hosts Chris the Gooey Kid Anderson no, that's not right. Chris the <laughs> Command Line Godfather Neves and Seth the Gooey Kid Anderson. Hello gentlemen.
1: Hello everybody in podcast land.
2: And welcome Element OP Faithful. Far and wide, near and far. I did so well with welcome. the title
0: and the date even though they weren't in the in the notes. I was able to to think about that, but that was all the thought I had. Um, and then I couldn't remember your names.
1: <laughs> That's all right.
2: We'll forgive you this time, hey, Mark. I had something in there for the. You day. did. You just didn't, I didn't like, like it. it. Uh,
0: the the <laughs> uh, the the neck beards like consistency, and if you change things up, they don't like it. I, you hear from them. Um, and the, tit- uh, the title of this well, is is because I couldn't think of any other. Things to name it, and I was commenting before that between all the podcasts I've done, I've named many, many shows, and the well is dry. So that's the name of the show I've named.
1: That many works. Many shows
2: The it well works. is dry. Probably that, would have been that would work too. Actually, yeah. <laughs> but we'll save that one. We'll make a we'll make a document for future show titles. As
0: I think it was and, Cam uh, Newton says, hindsight is fifty fifty. I think it was it was some quarterback. I think it was Cam Newton. Did like three interviews. And use the phrase, hindsight is 50 in all of them. Nice. Yes. Uh, and on the Monday Night Football, he was the come on man guy. <laughs> all
2: right. Come on, man.
0: Seth, what is Z Nation?
2: Okay. Um, you know, zombies are really popular. Everybody loves them. Uh, Z Nation is the latest show to not take over television, but it is the asylum doing a zombie show and it's just awesome. You need to watch it. Um, I love their sense of humor. Like there's this one episode where there is a tornado Um, and part of, you know, in addition to running from zombies, they have to find shelter from the tornado and these things get thrown out of the tornado. And one character looks at the other and says, is that what I think it is? And she looks back at him and says, well, it ain't sharks.
1: Oh, I just nice. thought that was funny.
2: Oh, I've been meaning so, to watch the zombies being, so now I'm gonna have to. It was zombies being thrown out of the tornado. A little so, self
0: referential uh, action going on there.
2: <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. So it's campy and hokey. Um not as dark or overly depressive as uh The Walking Dead. So think the asylum does walking dead. Um, and you know, you've got Z nation and you can probably follow the plot along without ever watching. <laughs>
0: so yeah, <laughs> I, I actually know the entire movie now and I don't, I don't have to see it.
2: Well, no, it, it's a weekly series. Oh, okay. So they're, they're branching out. Um, uh, and it was renewed for a second season, I heard. So I don't understand how because they're going through the characters at a pretty breakneck speed. <laughs> um, <laughs> What is this, Game it, of Thrones?
1: <laughs> and it it's looks something. like you can I watch mean, all the episodes on sci-fi's, ch- on their website. So nice. yeah, I caught I like up free. over
2: the, uh, I caught up over the weekend, uh, last weekend because they did like a little, they're only like four or five episodes in. Um, and, uh, I was able to catch up because I missed them. Just, you know, I'm not home when they're on and I don't do DVRs because I'm cheap. Uh, so I was able to get caught up.
0: A, a There's while eleven back
2: episodes on Leo Laporte's
0: so. Triangulation show. He had a, uh, uh, the guy who did the visual f- effects for Sharknado on, and he done he did a lot of other things too. He said, you know, in a in a big budget motion picture, you might spend a fourteen hour day on one shot on uh, Sharknado. We were doing fifty shots a day. Uh, <laughs>
1: just, <laughs> that just goes to prove, <laughs> you know, and
0: and they didn't look terrible. I mean, they didn't look good. But uh, I was commenting to my wife the other day, we were watching uh, a commercial. It has something to do with some drink that w- is, will make you super healthy. You know, fruit juice that will cure cancer. Um, and one of the, the, this guy drinks it and this cranberry juice terracotta warrior shows up. Samurai warrior. <laughs> I think warrior. it's pomegranate yeah, juice. okay, whatever. Um, and I commented to my wife that that, cheesy 30 second commercial the the visual effects on it were better than um jurassic park you know 20 years ago multi-billion mm-hmm. dollar uh project and it just that's that's where we are right now you can do you know you can do visual effects from the from the late 90s you could do the matrix on an ipad now
1: wow, wow. just think about that kind of blows your mind right just a little bit that we can yeah, do that level it of does. of on an iPad, really?
0: I rewatched just The blo- Matrix uh, just this weekend, and I, it still holds up. And because they referenced the fact that it was set in a particular period of time, you can forgive all the the old technology, right? Because it's it's the technology. Uh, that they had when the war broke out sometime in the late 90s. So even though they're right. on the spaceship and you're looking at an Acer 17-inch CRT monitor, you can forgive that because that was when the
1: war broke out.
0: Uh, so, mm-hmm. you know, it holds up uh, surprisingly well. It does. I thought so. Keanu Reeves is still a terrible actor, so that hasn't changed.
1: Well, that's that's a
2: guarantee there. And, you know, I'm still hoping that someday they will do a sequel for The Matrix cuz it was an awesome movie and it deserves a sequel. Well, there was some
0: good um uh, f- fan art and some some other things like that that they really carried that storyline on. So, you know, it it's been done. It's it's a shame it never made it to the motion picture though.
2: <laughs> yeah, cuz it would I mean, there was so much promise there and so many stories left untold yeah. that a sequel or even even a trilogy of films might have yeah. been good but you know sometimes i know you can't do a sequel right and i guess it's good to just leave the king on the throne All
0: i, I feel the same way about the star wars series you know we we, we yeah. have the next series coming up luke skywalker's kids i would like to have heard darth vader's story it's a shame that that they never went back and retold that story because it, it would have been you know if lucas had really paid attention <laughs> to it he could have done something really good there but, yeah uh, alas, i know episode
2: four be. What were episodes one through three all about? The world will never know. Right.
0: Yeah.
1: All right. Um, snickers, snickers. <laughs> the gooey kid
0: rants about the basic lack of lack of basic math skills. Ready? to Go.
2: Okay. Here's the, th- you know, I'm still boycotting Sonic for the rest of the year because they don't know how to add. Well, come to find out it's not a Sonic problem. I think it's a product of the American <laughs> oh, education man. system. Because I went to Burger King today and I got something that's supposed to be two for five. And guys at home, y'all might want to follow along, get out a pen and paper and write this down. Is eight seventy-eight minus three eighteen five dollars? Um no. No. I'm precisely (laughs) but Apparently, Burger King thinks that equals five bucks. And whenever I even I told the drive thru person, I was like, "Um, you overcharge me." All, well, all I know is this equals that, right. and I'm like, "No, it doesn't." And this, so she called her manager, and her manager looked at it, and I could tell her manager didn't know what to do. So I said, "It's like forty cents And she's like, "Well, do you want me to refund you forty cents?" And I said, "Yeah, I kind of do." So, <laughs> so at least, at least she realize there was a problem or pretended to realize there was a problem. So I don't need to boycott them. And, you know, as much as I eat out, that's a nice (laughs) chunk of change. (laughs) Miss. So, um, but yeah, I just like, how hard is it? If you're going to do something to do it, apparently it's very hard because this is the uh, second restaurant that has done that. And, uh, they'll be hearing about it when the show's over. I've got my, uh, fill-in thing for my bk experience it's going to be very bad burger king but like i say at least the manager fessed up or either that she just didn't want to argue with me because i really don't think she knew that it wasn't equal to five dollars um but anyway i just how how hard i mean i'm driving i'm like thinking wait a minute this isn't that that plus tax something is wrong so i get the receipt and look at it and i just think you should be able to do basic math You know,
0: I, I. Anyway, upon the urging of members of this audience and and other people as well, I read the uh, uh, Daniel Suarez uh, Demon, uh, and just this week I've been reading uh, the follow up Freedom, um, and there's a scene in Freedom where this guy goes to pick a random burger joint and orders like a a three ninety eight meal and a four ninety seven meal, and the guy says that'll be fourteen fifty eight, and no kid, you got it wrong. No, I didn't. That's that's what it is. It's 1458. Look, kid, what is 398 plus 497? It's 1437, sir. No, it's not. The manager comes over and says, "What what did you order?" I ordered that and I ordered this. Well, yeah, that's 1490. No, it's not. <laughs> and it's exactly what you were talking about in the movie. it's it says so on the computer and and the point there in the book was that if if something's on a computer screen, people will believe it. They don't they don't think.
2: Yeah, you know, and it's not so much that I wanted the forty cents; I just wanted the price I was charged to equal the price on the menu. Wouldn't that be nice? If yeah. you want, if you want to charge three hundred dollars for it, just let me know. Don't say you're charging five dollars <laughs> and it rings up more. So, anyway, come on, people. That's my come on, <laughs> man.
0: <laughs> when when I was in college, I worked at a burger joint. Anybody in Texas and Oklahoma will know this place. Everywhere else, probably not. It's called Brahms. Uh, think Dairy Queen burgers and ice cream. Um and we had computerized registers there. Of course this was 1991, so not as computerized as they are today, but we weren't allowed to use them because the owner of the company believed that his employees should be able to do math. And so we we were required to count math count change back out loud to the customer. We couldn't do it in our head, we couldn't just hand the customer we had to count it back and we weren't allowed to to calculate it. And at the time I thought, well, this is stupid and inefficient, but now I'm like Wow, that the guy's right because I, I knew how to do stuff, but there were people I worked with that struggled with that, and it was actually an educational experience for them to make change for a twenty. Yep, and uh so it was a good policy, and I'm I'm all for it.
2: I think I think when more I places should McDonald's, do it. I worked at McDonald's in the early two thousands. I would point out to my manager when they programmed the POS system wrong. I was like, uh, "Excuse me, this doesn't add up." How do you and then so they see they go look, see it, oh wait a minute, you're right. So um, you know, I and again, I'm not some savant math genius uh who walks around saying five minutes to Wapner, but it's basic math, and I think people should be able to do it. Yeah.
0: If you you should have to you should know the squares through twenty five without thinking about it. And you should know multiplication at least through the twelves. You shouldn't have to think about what's 12 times 11. You should just know. That should be instinctive.
2: Wait a minute. 24 squared. I know 25. I don't know 24 squared. I can do up to 20 with no problem, but 21 would be fuzzy for me. I would have to think about that.
1: <laughs> so you've got some members. At least you know what it is. At least you know what <laughs> to do when someone says squared. Yeah. I've actually had people that, what's that? And have that blank deer in a headlight look. So it's That's, yeah.
0: those. Those are the things that around my house are non-negotiable. Uh, once you hit fifth grade, you will learn uh, your multiplication, to the the twelve grid, and you will know your squares through twenty five because they will change your life, or at least make your life easier later on. And you don't have to. You don't have to understand them. You just have to know, right?
1: Just know. Mem- yeah, memorize it. Yep.
2: it. Right. Well, wow, regurgitated. Going You're going to love the common core. Ugh, no, so I've, when your have, kids start doing that, I have dealt with common core.
0: Uh, but I helped my kid. I, we're going way off, but that's okay. It's what we do here. Uh, I helped my kid, uh, sixth grader with a problem and it was based on X set of facts, fine Y. And it was in a word problem format. And, uh, and then it was, you know, uh, defend your answers or, or show your work. And so I worked out. I didn't do the math, but I walked my kid through it. I said, "Okay, we know this. They've told us this, and we know this. So based on that, we know that this is two and a half times more than that." You know, and I walked her through it, and and she did all the calculations. I was just showing her the the stuff. And when when she got the thing back, the answer the teacher marked it wrong, not because the problem the answer was wrong, but because of the way she did it wasn't right. She was supposed to draw like six boxes and shade in four of them and then draw three more boxes and group two or whatever. And I'm like, what? WTF? What's the... what? We got the answer. Why do you care whether we bubbled boxes or used linear logic? Either way, we got the answers.
1: That's right. I'm with you. I had the same problem with my son. I went in and talked to the teacher. I was that parent. (laughs) I,
0: you know, she came back and said, daddy, this is wrong. I said, no, your teacher's wrong and went on with that. And so she doesn't ask me to help with homework anymore. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so it was all a clever ploy by the father. <laughs> the truth comes out at the EDL network. There you go. Now
0: that's totally not
2: true. My wife, <sighs> I'm
0: sorry, honey, I love you. But she's one of those people who will happily say, oh, I'm just not good at math and leave it at that. That's not Okay. Like you said, Zeth, basic math. Now, I understand you don't have to do differential calculus. That's fine. But a basic set of math skills is what you need to get along. If somebody didn't want to learn to use a toilet, would you just let them say, oh, I'm just not good at crapping um, and and just go with it? No, you wouldn't because that's a basic human skill that you have to learn to do.
2: Yeah. and, so and That's is funny. Basic I math. think, yeah, basic math, yeah. basic 878 minus 318 equals blank. That should be the name of our. That should be the title of our podcast.
0: <laughs> and it's it's five something, right? Even that's all you have to know is five something, and figure out the rest.
2: Yeah, yeah. Five yeah, something f- is not five emails. exactly. <laughs> so. And you know, and it's not so much the fact that it's, that it was wrong. It was the blank look on their right. face as they were. I mean I've somebody I'm just driving through they've they've done that thousands amount of times, amount right? of times yeah. and it doesn't recognize it doesn't they don't realize that it's a problem. Yeah. So I mean they're overcharging money, which I mean the, the franchise person or if this is a corporate store I don't know they love that they're making extra money so um good for them but something simple like that I mean that's 150 dollars a year you give away if you do that every day. Every day you go and you lose 40 something cents, it comes up to be about $150 a year. People in my circles would like to have $150 extra at the end of the year. You know, I understand some people that's, that's pocket change, but for most of us, that's money.
0: And it's just money's money. There's such a, a, a culture of helplessness. And I don't know if it's global, but I know it's definitely in the West, right? So uh, America, Europe, South America to a, a slightly lesser extent. It's just a culture of helplessness. It's, if it's not easy to, for me immediately, I won't do it. Um, yeah. And that's, that's the way we get with math. Ah, I didn't get that right away, so I'm just going to be okay with not doing it. And, you know, it wouldn't even bother me, Seth, if they couldn't do the math and they had a calculator with them. That wouldn't actually bother me at all. I mean, it would be a little sad, but at least you get the job done. But being unwilling to to rectify the problem, that's that's annoying and unacceptable. Yes. All right. I'm going to end this conversation because it could easily go into the next hour (laughs) and a half.
1: Um, Yeah, we probably could, but it'd be fun.
0: I have a little sad news that uh, a listener wanted to pass on. Richard, who we've uh, talked about before, his wife uh, was dying of cancer, uh, has in fact lost her battle with cancer, and uh, he asked me to pass that on to the Everyday Linux community. And uh, he said thanks for the letters of encouragement and comments of of support that he's received from this uh, audience. He thanks you for that, and um, and that's all there is to it. I, I told him I'd pass the message on. So, Richard, we we feel your loss certainly much more shallowly than you do, uh, but we're we're thinking of you. Yes. And uh, hard to f- transition out of that, uh, but I will and say my f- Nexus 5 got Lollipop this week, the new Android 5.0. And, uh,
1: <clears throat> you know,
0: um, it's fine. That That's my review of it. It's fine. The new materials design where everything's a card, meh, it's fine. Um, the, the only thing, the only real improvement to me is now you can say okay google anywhere in fact it just did right there um even in an app (laughs) um, you can be doing something else so like while i'm listening to my audio book driving down the road i can say okay google send my wife a message and it will um that's kind of cool it can do it even from the lock screen um on 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 devices that support it you can even do it with the screen turned off the nexus 5 is not a device that supports it so i have to have it turned on but as long as the screen is on i can say okay google and it'll pop up and and go so that's probably really the the most significant thing i noticed notifications on the lock screen um not super impressive you can dismiss them and you can read like the subject line of the email but not terribly useful um but it's fine yeah we've just reached a point where things have matured so much that they're fine i mean we're not going to have another jaw dropping Update to Android. Um, and that's not a bad thing. It's just little incremental enhancements here and there.
1: I think what'll end up getting, you know, I i can't wait to get Android or the Lollipop for my aging Nexus 7, um, because it's starting to feel the sludge. But I, and supposedly, it's supposed to be better. From the the reviews I read about Lollipop on the 2012 Nexus 7, it does help some of the sludgy feeling go away. So that's always a good sign. Yeah, the, and, one, uh, of the,
0: one of the big changes that they did that was annoying is, at least with Lollipop, I don't know about going forward, but at least with Android 5.0, you cannot accept an over-the-air update with a non-stock bootloader. So it can still, it can be rooted and you'll just lose your root. That's fine. But you can't have, um, cyanogen recovery or twerp on there. It just, it will just reject it. So I had to go back to stock right. recovery to be able to do the OTA update. Um, which is a little surprising because Android, uh, has been very permissive about that in the past, particularly on their Nexus devices that are not owned by a carrier. They're not, uh, you know, SIM locked or anything like that. It was a little surprising to have to go back and And really literally take a step back because their loader is not very f- feature packed uh, and have to take twerp off and go back to the stock so I could update.
1: Well, I wonder if there's a reasons I mean what the reasons were for that? I mean, we obviously they didn't say anything about it. They didn't put anything out there in in easy text to find, but I'm sure there was a reason
2: for it. Well, there was a lots of news stories about it, and it has to do with their changing the way the updates are going to be now. So it's not; it's gonna like update the whole thing. I think instead of uh, like I don't remember the term, but they they're changing their update process, which is which is fine. But
0: I mean, everything they've done in the past, other um bootloader people have been able to copy that and do their own thing. And so, why would they lock that down? Why does it have to be theirs? Why not just have these are the rules that anybody has to follow? Um, and you know, it's it's just. The the way they're handling the Nexus Six, uh, locking it down, uh, putting in specific code to uh, detect and block um, uh, tethering, which they did in KitKat as well. Uh, you know, there's these anti-competitive sort of things, uh, or anti-customer rather, uh, sort of things that they're trying to do. It's just it's not very Android-like, not very Nexus-like.
1: Uh, yeah, it's not very Do No Evil-like.
0: I don't I'm not gonna call it evil. Uh and it's probably the agreement they had to make to get AT and T carry it. Uh but it's just man, and the fact that it's now a seven hundred dollar device again uh instead of, you know, the Nexus devices. The Nexus one was a seven hundred dollar device and then they they were competitively priced and the Nexus five was unprecedented, half price. Uh yeah. and, and now they're back to the seven hundred dollar price. And it's, you know, it's it's again, it's on Google or maybe it's the new Google.
1: And it's hard to say I know personally I was hoping for the another run of half priced phones for my next upgrade run because that would be the next one I'd be going to now I'm kind of not sure which way I'm going to go uh, maybe maybe I'll go turbo
0: yeah the the droid turbo looks uh interesting the uh the one plus one um is probably the new flagship unlocked phone um but right, the, but you have you only to get, get one. five of them at a time.
1: Well, and you have to have you have to have the invites to get them, and they're they're so weird about how to get the invites. It's just not even worth it unless you want to spend the time to jump for yeah. through the the hoops.
0: And I think I hope that they'll get their manufacturing process worked out, but maybe they don't want to. Maybe they're fine yeah. being a, a micro manufacturer.
1: Well, and it keeps the buzz up. Yeah. So you know the the tighter the the string the strings are on how many they can release at one time I, keeps the I keeps I, them I understand in the news. where you're
0: going and that is common thought among marketers but that's not true of geeks and phones right this is a geek true. phone the average person's not interested in this and and making them get an invite makes it even worse you make a good phone for three hundred fifty bucks the geeks will buy it uh yeah and so i don't think this is a marketing thing i think it's they literally cannot produce as many as they want and this is the way to keep demand down
1: okay i could see it that way too but i still think it's i think it's more along the lines of since they couldn't keep their market the uh, they couldn't produce as much as they want they're going to keep the market buzz by doing the weird contests and things to get them yeah
0: maybe uh you got a lot of stuff here, Chris. I'm not going to let you do all of it, but uh, the one I want to hit here is the the next thing the the other thing that we're all passionate about that updated this week is Plex, which brings yes. not exactly parent, parental controls in the way that we wanted, but it gets really close in that you now have multiple users.
1: Yeah, I really haven't. I. I got the update and I found that it was there and then of course life has interrupted me from setting them all up but uh, the ability to, to dictate what users can access what movies or what rating of movies is is a big thing. Yeah. So um,
0: now uh, what I what you've had to do is have different accounts and share them out or like I in my, in my case I've had installed my account my Plex Plus account on multiple devices and configured the individual devices the way I want them but that's that's one touch unconfigurable. You know, it's it's in the yep. hands of the kids, but my kids aren't interested in seeing Wolverine, so it's not really a big deal. Uh but with this this new users thing, you define users, you can as far as I know it's an unlimited number. I haven't dug that deep into it. And those users are attached to your one uh your Plex Pass account and they can only see it's like sharing. It's the sharing feature that's already there, but you're picking what you're sharing with users on your own account. And uh um, yep. That's uh, that's cool.
1: It's a and it's a big deal. I think uh, I'm actually going to be more apt to let my kids now attach to the Plex device without me being around. Yeah, so I, I like it a lot.
0: And in their announcement for this, they said this was the second most asked for feature. The first most asked for was trailers. I think that's garbage. Who actually wants trailers? But they said that that was the thing everybody wanted. You want to. You, when you push play on a movie, you don't actually want to watch the movies. You want to watch 20 minutes of trailers first.
2: Who? Who actually wants that? Who is clamoring no, no. for that feature? I a lot of people want trailers because you hear about this movie. What's it about? Let me go watch the two-minute trailer to see if I'm interested in it.
0: Yeah, but it's only trailers that are on YouTube. So it's only trailers for movies that have been out for a while. Um, so I don't know. The way I see it, if you want a trailer... You go get the trailer. You go look on YouTube. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but their their idea is they, you know, if you're doing an action adventure movie, it'll go grab three or four trailers in the action adventure genre. Uh, I personally, I hate that when I'm watching a DVD, yeah. which I rarely do anymore. It's infuriating to have this thing that I can't skip through, and I have to watch. You know, coming soon to a theater near you in 1997. Um. <laughs> I want to just push the play button and watch the movie, but maybe I'm just being an old get-off-my-lawn guy.
1: Maybe. But I thought it was pretty cool, the fact that we now have users. That that was a big deal in my household when this turned on. I can't wait to lock down some of the user accounts now.
0: And in the same vein, you now have a Google Chromecast you've been playing with.
1: Yes, my Google Chromecast. Actually, I might convert some of my my Roku boxes to Chromecast. Um Because I find that, you know, the Roku's work great for as a Swiss Army knife tool, but the Chromecast, if you're doing stuff like, you know, most of my kids are in my, in my wife and me are all using Chrome for most of our stuff, to be able to, to, to cast things up onto a TV. Um, we just did a week's worth of, of, uh, scheduling with my, with my kids and my brothers and me and my wife all in the same room we just kind of threw it up on the calendar the calendar on the tv and we scheduled out our holiday weekend um it was kind of cool to be able to do that uh the and then the the plex you can do it right there through the phone through the tablets or whatever um my nexus has become now the living room remote control so to speak so it it's just sitting in the living room and they have access to the Amazon the only thing that I found that I can't access through the Chromecast is my movies that I bought from Amazon yeah so it's it's the the small hiccup in my mass plan but uh i don't know, I like it so far um I'm curious to see if I can get a like a the Google slides to present through the chromecast uh because if that works then I don't have to worry about bringing anything anytime I go to do a presentation just the chromecast.
0: Which you know is a totally different use case than a Roku. So you're, yes. you're saying you're going to replace the Roku, but you're really replacing the 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 function, not the device.
1: Right. Well, the like I said, the only thing I've so far I've seemed to lost if, if by moving over to the Chromecast is the Amazon movies. Well, no, because I you've, can still do Plex. the
0: ability to scroll through with a remote through your own library. You now have to have this entirely separate device. And you have to play it on the device and throw it up to the to the cast, you you've lost a lot. It's just not affecting you in the way that you really care about.
1: Yeah, okay. Yeah, that there there is that. But the anytime you attach to like Netflix to the Chromecast, it's not sli- it's not streaming through the tablet or the phone, it's a direct connection from the Chromecast.
0: Right. But you have to start it on the tablet or the phone. You can't right, start it which, from the Chromecast. Because, it, where, where Roku it, it, you can.
1: Right, but you it becomes a remote control then after you start it. Yeah, and if you Which, want to with my kids losing
0: control, go for it. But
1: well, know. but my kids are more apt to not lose a tablet than a remote control. <laughs> yeah. So, uh there'll be no more tearing a bedroom apart where my daughter and my son have both thrashed their room trying to find the remote control for the Roku and then not want to pick it back up after they find it. Right. It's a small case, but it's an it's a point. <laughs>
0: uh, I I I'm saying this having not had a Chromecast, but I do have the Cast to uh, XBMC function. Uh, yep. So it's very similar to that that I have on, on with my home theater. And um, I, Chromecast is great for what it is, but it is not a home theater device.
1: No, it's not. Uh, but the only TV that so far I'm. Definitely think about putting it on is mine upstairs because all the most of the media goes through, you know, the Google, the Google account that is mine. So that is not that big of a deal. Um, maybe my son, when he moves up to the smartphone f- it, for his TV downstairs, maybe, uh, I don't know.
0: All right. Moving on along, uh, this is, uh, we got a couple. Literally just two pieces of listener feedback and then some news this week. Uh, and then Seth and I are going to go watch the Cowboys play. Uh, so uh, Gordon uh, comments on our pay by the bit internet access. And he brings up a point that we didn't bring up. So I, I wanted to make sure that we hit that. He says, hi, guys. In the last episode, Mark and Seth were talking about charging for internet access by the bit. This is a very bad thing. How many programs call home with without our knowledge? Every web page, email, video games, or whatnot would have to have like a calorie count or a bit count in this case listed somehow so people could determine whether they wanted to access such content. And to loosely tie it into the Spotify comments, so if people are paying by the bit consumed, then providers should have to spread the collected funds to the content makers. Every website's email sender uh, should be sent a check every month for the content they provided. Just my two cents on the idea. So that second paragraph, I'm, I'm not going to pay much attention to. But the first thing we, what we were talking about is if we paid for internet access by the bit, that would bring it into, at least in, in this country, uh, the way we pay for everything else. We pay for energy by the kilowatt hour. We pay for uh, water by the gallon. We pay for uh, gas, natural gas by the whatever the Deca unit. unit. Is. Uh, Deca unit, okay, whatever the unit is. Um, what's interesting about that? And so I said that if we brought, if we paid for internet by the bit, we would bring that in uh, line with everything else. But his point that I hadn't even considered is nobody can force me to run my faucets without my knowing it. Nobody can can light my furnace from afar without me knowing it. But in terms of email, well, I have, not
2: till you get a smart house, right?
0: In 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 the case of email, I have no control over what is sent to me, and even if I'm filtering it, I have to look at it. You know, the filter systems have to look at it to be able to filter it. Um, and and I can't control, like he said, when devices decide to dial home, when they decide to update. So there's no way that I could just say. Based on Netflix usage and Pandora usage, this is my my uh, bandwidth this month. Um, I, I have to look at all these other things every time my laptop decides to reach out to the Linux uh, um, repositories and say, "Hey, is there an update for something?" Now that's something I can control. But there's lots of other things, things going on like on this call right now, quality metrics that are happening uh, on Google Plus and on Skype that I'm completely unaware of that are going out. And if I'm paying by the bit. These people are costing me money without my consent, so that's a point right. that we didn't bring up
1: yeah, that's an interesting thought and that that would go in line with the what is it title Two, where everything we would become a, last week yeah uh yeah, I know I'll bringing bring that up yeah. um the, that would which is where the president says we're going um I don't know, I'm a little sketchy either way.
2: Well, I mean, you you know, you look at it this way, every charger you plug into your house to charge your phone, even if you don't have something plugged into it, it still uses electricity, but yet most people don't care because they don't unplug them when they're not in use. They just have a thing with a bunch of stuff plugged into it. So it's more, it would be a lot more pronounced on internet usage, but this is already true to a certain extent. With our electricity, because we have lots of things plugged in that have no business being on, but they're on even if at a trickle level by default all the time. Yeah,
0: but I made the choice to plug that in. In the case of spam coming to my email account, I didn't make that choice, and I can't stop it. there's it. There's no mitigation I can employ to stop something from coming
1: in. Right. And the other thing that comes into play there too is advertisements on web pages. Yeah. So if you go to Amazon, you know, or, uh, that uh, doesn't
0: bother me. That's the cost of doing business.
1: That's, fine. well, no, no, no. I, I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm saying that how many of those, you know, like MSN.com, you hit that page, you have a, a flash ad that shows up in, you know, takes however big a flash ad is versus the text ads or the static picture ads.
0: Yeah, I, I you know I fine. I see your point that certain browsing will be quote unquote more expensive, but that doesn't bother me. That's that's just the way it is. Some every no matter how you do it, some web pages take up more than others. Uh, and if you know that when you go to Amazon, there's ads and it literally costs you more, you'll stop shopping at Amazon. And that's something you have control over. But these other things that you don't have control over, um, you know, when my Skype when I turn it on. And I get five uh, contact requests from allegedly sexy girls saying, "Hi, please add me." Um, the, I I can't stop that. I can't control that. And every one of those that come in cost me X number of bits. I, they're literally taking money out of my pocket for something I can't control. So I, I think I think your point, Seth, is is uh, well taken. That it's such a minute part of the pie that it's it's just it's just the garbage that you you have to pay for but it is well, it is when i said it brings it in line with every other utility that's the point where it's not true
2: and this i mean but one it would it would cause you to have smarter web habits i don't want to go to that site because i'm going to get a thousand pop-ups you know i'm not going to put my email address here to win an ipad for a penny because i know that's going to increase my spam that I received by 10%. So yes, in the short term, it would be bad, but in the long term, it could lead, for you. it could, le- it could lead to a, you know, a more lean and robust web experience. People would ditch flash ads because people aren't coming here because they don't want to pay the money to download these. We've got to come up with a better way to advertise and then boom, web pages get better. Uh, so yes, yeah, well, so I mean, there's trade-offs, there's good and they're bad to, every possibility.
0: Yeah, and and so. I just want to reiterate my position that I think pay by the bit is not good. But it is the way we pay for everything else. And so it's a model that I think people will accept. It, for me tiering is the obvious choice. You pay for the size of your pipe. End of end of discussion. Yeah. It's not up to no, you're going to give me 14 megabits. You're going to guarantee me I will never get less than 14 megabits. That's the pipe that I'm paying for. Um, and you charge me whatever you think you need to charge me for that. That's the logical way to do it. Um, you know, that's the way we buy groceries. We don't buy, uh, based on, on, you know, the, how much we think we're gonna eat. We buy a chunk of groceries and we use it until it's gone. So you buy a chunk of, of bandwidth and you use it or you don't, right? Um, so that's really a terrible analogy. Uh, but my my brain couldn't come up with anything else. So I think tiering is the way to go. Other people think pay-by-the-bit is the way to go. Providers want pay-by-the-bit. I mean, that's what you have now on every cell phone plan. You get yep. X number of bits, and then you pay for bits over that. They like pay-by-the-bit because they know it's consumer hostile. All right. Yeah. That I leads us I, right I'm, into this next bit of email from Nedusen, N- who sent a very long, multi-page, quite entertaining email but did me the solid of including a TLDR at the end. So that's what I'm going to read to you. In conclusion, and TLDR too long didn't read, uh, how much paranoia is healthy in this world of choice and free services? How much have the EDL team changed their digital habits from losing access to a file or service in the past, so uh, Dropbox goes away, uh, Google Drive goes away, um, uh, Skype is is spying on you. Based on these things, what kind of paranoia have we here on everyday Linux uh, succumbed to? How has the fear of losing services caused us not to do something, or this fear of spying caused us to do something? So, I uh, just we'll start with you, Seth. You're the most paranoid of the group. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what, what is your
2: answer? Well, whenever it gets to a point, I just, I quit doing things because it's simply not worth the hassle. Do um, you have any examples? I, well, um, you know, I pretty much quit Facebook messaging because they had, they want you to break it out to another app that to me, I just, I don't want to have a hundred different apps that equal less than one web page. and. I've quit using my Gmail account on my phone because I can't do anything with it. I don't want a hundred different apps. So whenever they do something that I don't like, I simply quit using their service. And, uh. Um, so you still use your so
0: Gmail we, address. What app do you use?
2: I use the web when I am at home or work. I don't really do Gmail when I'm on my smartphone. Okay. Hmm.
1: Interesting.
0: Chris, what about you? Has, has paranoia changed your habits?
1: Um, kind of. Um, I'm a little more patient or not really patient. I'm a little more cautious about what I put out there on the internet. Um, I, I know a lot of times if I had my way, there would be nothing out there that I didn't agree to being putting out there so pictures of me or my kids uh, my wife on the other hand is on the other side of that coin and she's like let's spray it out to everybody because my family members never get to see us so um, so I had to you know obviously change the way I do things a little bit because of lack of choice um, but w- honestly I really haven't done a whole lot of, of paranoia switching um, yeah I know Dropbox is spying on what I put up there, but the only thing that's up in Dropbox really is the stuff for the show. Um, I have a couple of utilities that I used to use when I was on site with clients, but I guess I could take all that out of there now since I don't do that type of work. Um, and, and as far as, as... Yeah, I really... I don't put a lot out there on the internet to be attract, you know, to, to get something snooped on or or tracked on, but the little bit that's out there is I feel okay with having out there.
0: For me, the uh, the loss of things in the the very long email that he sent, he mentioned Google Reader. That hurt me, Google Reader going away. Um, uh, and basically, I use free services less because paid services are less likely to simply evaporate. Uh, so when okay. I'm when I'm looking for something like Dropbox, I don't use the free service for Dropbox, even though with their their recent changes, my usage would be within that I could I could lose the um the paid version and have enough space to do what I need to do. I pay for it because that helps keep Dropbox around and it also gives me some skin in the game. Um, And and I and in terms of spying, I, I just don't care. Uh, I just I don't care. I don't. There are very, very few things that I consider private, right? And that's, you know, like financial data, um, you know, passwords, those sort of things. And for those, I use services that encrypt before they go out on the Internet. LastPass is a great example. It encrypts it on the device and sends the encrypted blob out. But for my Gmail, for my Google Docs, for the stuff on Dropbox, I just don't care. Um, I am not a privacy-minded person. In fact, I think publicness is more beneficial than privacy almost across the board um it's almost always better to be public than to be private um with few example uh, with few exceptions and so that's that's my that's the way i've always been you know i uh, for forever when i've gone into irc chat rooms i've used my real name and you know people would say oh what are you doing it's dangerous how is it dangerous really I'm I'm here and I'm chatting. I'm not at Big Babes and Butts R Us or anything like that. It's you know it's the 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 Puppy Linux uh, forum things like that. Why why do I need to be afraid to use my real name? Uh, so I got over that twenty years ago when I first really dumped into the web. I just got over that and and oh yeah, this company knows my information. So I. It's publicly available. In fact, I was just watching just today a a teaser for a local NBC news story. And it's like, this is the information I found out about you from publicly available sources. I found out where you went to school. I found out where you grew up. I found out the town that you live in. I found out the people that you associate with. And this was supposed to be shocking. And the whole time I'm like, so? That is, by definition, publicly available information. The, right When I registered at a public school, that became public information. When I went to a state-funded university, that became public information. When I took a job at a public school, my salary became public information. People voted on how much I should get paid. Uh, so what? Uh, you, you know who I associate with. Yeah, because I friend them on Facebook and it says so right there. You know you, you, you know who I make phone calls to, So does the phone company. Uh, th- th- we just really, particularly, I think, um more in the U.S. than in other places, get all in a tizzy about people knowing our stuff. But the stuff that they know is not important and yeah. certainly not interesting to anybody.
1: That's more along the lines of where I am with privacy. You know, I really, there's some things I don't want out there and there's some things I do. Um Obviously, financial stuff is definitely a no. But, you know, there's still some services that put it out there anyway. So...
0: I don't. I don't um, want somebody to know the login to my bank account, for obvious reasons. They could take my money. They could spend my money elsewhere. Yeah. You know, I don't mind people knowing how much is in my bank account. That to me, I don't think is a private piece of information. I don't care. Um, yeah, you know my the, that's one of the things that I I've commented on before. I, I moved from the public sector. Where, like I said, people voted on how much to pay me to the private sector, where I can literally be fired for telling my coworker how much I make. Yeah. Um. And I don't understand other than the idea of what you make a hundred thousand more than I do for the same job. I get that, and they're trying to avoid that. But you know, financial data other than the ability to spend my money, I just I don't get upset about it. I never have.
1: Yeah. And back to, you know, round robin a little bit on the apps. I guess I never commented on that. Um, I'm actually in the same boat you are, Mark, when it comes to applications of any form. If it's something I'm using and I'm using to the capacity where I would breach their free model, I'll pay for it gladly. And there's even some things where I'll pay for it gladly without even thinking about it. Um, like, uh, what was the last one I just paid for? Oh, um, I don't, I did the donation, so I got my free, my paid version of one of the podcasting apps that I wanted to try with. Um, it was an app that I'm going to use every day, so why shouldn't I pay for it? Same thing with all my other apps. If it's an app that I'm using every single day, I pay for it. I use Skype almost every day. I actually have a subscription to Skype. I know I don't need it, but I use it, so why not?
0: All right, any other comments on that? Uh, so we'll move on to the news. Uh, Google and Firefox are parting ways. That
1: surprised
2: me yeah. when I read that. Yes. Yeah, so now your default search in Firefox is no longer going to be Google, but it's going to be Yahoo. And from what I've read on it, I don't know if this is going to be Yahoo or Yahoo's rebranding of Bing for your search i wasn't quite able to figure that out but again i didn't put much into it i just came across (laughs) the story and thought wow i this is unusual because google is firefox's cash cow um but apparently yahoo will become firefox's cash cow
0: yeah in the in this article it says that, uh, and I quote, uh, Google accounted for 90% or about $274 million of Mozilla's royalty revenue in 2012. So it's a couple of years old data. Wow. Uh, Mozilla hasn't released its, uh, report for last year. So they made, uh, two, $274 million off of Google and now they're leaving to Google go- to go to Yahoo. I don't think this was, um, a decision based on ethics and morality. I think Yahoo said, We'll pay you $300 million. And they said, Yeah, okay, boss. Um, I, I, th- I know they've also made some changes to make DuckDuckGo easier to use. Uh, that was yep. one of the release notes I read recently. Um, DuckDuckGo is basically Google with uh, anonymized Google. Um, and, you know, I think that's there's twofold here there's one that people are worried about Google and snooping, and but really mostly. Yahoo wrote a bigger check. Um, and this will affect my use of Yahoo. I will use the awesome bar less. I will install the search bar and use it more because I don't like Yahoo's results as much as I like Google's.
1: Plain and simple. Right. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Um, actually, when I noticed my Firefox updated and switched, I immediately changed everything to DuckDuckGo because it's Google. Um, it was actually a quick option in this, in the drop down. So I just went ah, duck duck goes fine so it, it but it, it kind of shocked me that that my you know Firefox who's becoming more and more the the privacy browser of the world you know they're they're pushing more and more of their stuff saying oh well, we'll forget things we won't track things blah 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 that they're gonna go to they're switching search engines and it, it was like but Google like made it so you guys survived why are you ditching them you know, I obviously there's no um, brotherhood among those two companies, but yeah. it's just weird that well, they. Well, they're
2: competitors. I right. mean, yeah, you I, know...
0: Yeah. Well, so are who they really though? Have a browser that may be another reason.
1: Yeah, but I mean, really, are they really competitors? I don't know very many people that say, "Oh, I switched to Firefox from Google because Google Chrome is a horrible browser." I mean, most other than of us the, use both. Yeah, most uh, most right. geeks do, and most non-geeks. They're Internet the Explorer user users.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah, but uh Google Chrome has a larger percentage of use now than Firefox does. And so, maybe, you know, they're looking at this as a way, you know, we're, we're going down. Doing what we've been doing is trending down. We've got to do something or we'll never start trending up. You know, that's one way to look at it. So, it's... Uh, yeah. I don't remember the exact quote, but... I can't tell you if things change, if they'll get better or worse, but I can tell you they won't get better if we don't change. Um, that's not the exact quote, right. but you get the gist.
1: Yeah, I mean, so, I, mean I guess they, they have to change to try and you know change that trending, but, man, I don't know if moving away from Google is a good idea. I mean, if, we'll if
0: Yahoo steps up its game and becomes as good as Google, fine. I have no loyalty there. But if, in my most recent side-by-side tests – Google trumped Yahoo every time, by a lot.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, well, um, I'm with you.
0: And plus, and in my world right now where is- I've, I have totally uh, subsumed myself into the Google uh, ecosystem, right? My my phone with the Google now, I mean, I, I was searching something on, uh, I searched a link, uh, an actor's name, to get to IMDb because I was too lazy to go to IMDb and I knew Google would take me there. And a couple of days later in my Google now under the what to watch things based on your interest in this actor, you might like this movie. Cool. I'll go check out that movie. Some people think that's creepy. I think that's freaking awesome. I did a search yeah. on my computer and my phone recommended something off of it. That's not going to happen using Yahoo. And some people are going, yay, that's not going to happen using Yahoo. But me, I think it's great.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I'm to- I've, totally drink the google juice and i don't have a problem and i love when i get the little google now because you search for that here's something here's a whole bunch of things you might want so i'm i'm all in for that
2: well yeah and i know i used to be yahoo everything and a couple of years ago they changed the my yahoo page which now it takes effort to get to your old my yahoo page but i used to have like movies and it would list the most re it would list the, the show times and you could put different theaters on there. And then I went there one day and you had to search by movie and all my theaters were gone. And it was just like, they, they seem to have stripped away Yahoo stripped away all the stuff I liked about them. And so now I just have a Yahoo email address that I've had for I don't know Forever. how i ever had it like yeah, yeah. So it's it's my old well, I'm not my oldest, but it's used to be my favorite email address, and now it's just like Yahoo. Really, you know, uh, they they, they bleeped the pooch, so to speak.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, no transition to this. Um, a a hacker gives an old game new life. I'll, we'll go with that.
2: Yeah, um you know homebrew uh, com- uh games for gaming systems is a cottage industry that's been around for a while uh, something that they've been unable to crack was the Nintendo 3DS well a 22 year old parisian hacker has figured a way figured out a way to crack it but in order to do it you have to use Cubic Ninja, which was this game that no one had ever heard of. Um, but if you, there's an exploit now you can do running that game. And one thing this has really done, it's driven up the prices for cubic, used cubic ninjas on eBay (laughs) and stuff. So, but yeah, so homebrew. It's coming to all the 3DSs, and, you know, Nintendo, I think they release a new model of those as often as Chrome updates because they're always, like, 3DS Black, 3DS XL, 3DS Retro, 3DS because people will buy it, um, stuff like that. But anyway, if you own Cubic Ninja and you want to make some money, you can put that on eBay. Um, <laughs> if you want to homebrew games for your Nintendo 3DS... Don't put your Cubic Ninja on eBay, but you can – there's an exploit you can do with it. Yeah, so turn your DBS
0: into something more useful. Yeah. All right. And a lot of of stuff from Yahoo News this week. Uh, But after our discussion last week about net neutrality, uh, Ford, UPS, and Visa stepped up and said, you know, guys, you're right.
2: Yes. um, So we are – you know we're kind of behind the strings worldwide power <laughs> yeah player, power player here, but no, um you know because it's like it's like you were talking about mark when you're a public uh organization or government, and people meet with you, um you have to record who met with you and what they talked about, and so you know um. Companies such as Ford, UPS, and Visa met with the FCC to advocate for net neutrality. Now, again, you know they're not ISPs, uh, and so they don't really have a big do- a big horse in the race. But they're pushing for net neutrality, and they're meeting, you know, over over coffee at the uh, you know billionaire social club or something, um, trying to at least at least get people to pretend like there's some net neutrality still. So yeah, we're we're ruling it. Way to go, Element OP faithful. We are changing the world.
0: <laughs> Sweet. And, and the question is, which net neutrality? The real net neutrality, in which you don't care what's coming over your pipes, or the sanitized version of net neutrality, where you allow for fast lanes. Uh, both of which have been trained uh, uh, phrased as net neutrality, which is a terrible phrase. Um, but you know, that's the thing. Anybody can say I'm for new net net neutrality. Because you can say, you can make net neutrality be anything, and politicians are Uh, good at that.
1: Yeah. Well,
2: that's true.
0: Um, You know, a truly neutral internet simply passes bits from one point to another, doesn't care who point A is or who point B is or what they're sending over. That's the definition of true net neutrality.
2: And that's probably the one they're advocating for, because under the other one, they would have to pay more money to get, you know... You have to pay more money to make sure that, you know, Toyota or Chevy isn't doing more than them. And, you know, UPS doesn't want to have to pony up extra money to match FedEx output for speed, you know, because I'm not going to ship with you. If it takes 20 seconds for your page to load, I can ship with them and their page loads in two seconds. So, you know, that would be to us to something like UPS. That would be a big deal, you know, and you're not going to search for Ford. I wanted to see what this Ford Focus XL was, but ten seconds and the page hasn't loaded. I'm going to search for Chevy, you know, yeah. Chevy. We bought the internet and see what comes up. Yeah. So go. they're probably for, um, they're probably for the the new neut- the real net neutrality.
0: Yeah, as in the one that it's been for all these years. Um, right. You know, packet shaping is a real thing. It has to happen. You can't give Netflix as much bandwidth as it wants because it will want all the bandwidth and it will shove 4K down your pipe if you've got it. Uh, so you have to shape that. And, you know, it's, Chris, you have traffic shaping in your house and so do I. Uh, yep. Mainly because Netflix is a bandwidth log. and And Netflix, you want that. If you're watching a movie, you want it to suck all your bandwidth because you want the highest quality possible. So they're doing a good thing in service of their customer. But also, you can destroy your customers and even other customers. So I understand the concept of traffic shaping. It needs to happen. And that's where the pipe comes in. You sell me a 4-megabit pipe, then you traffic shape me so that that's all I get. This this is not contrary to net neutrality. This nope. is just making things new. work well. This is why you want uh, uh, these Skype packets to have high priority over that BitTorrent you're downloading, because it doesn't matter what order they get there in, they'll be reassembled. Skype has to come in the same order. So, again, traffic shaping, perfectly reasonable, not anti-net neutrality. But because it's like a a foot in the door, oh, you're messing with traffic, um, then you can justify just about anything or vilify just about anything.
2: Well, and under traffic shaping, you can also throttle stuff and say it's for network maintenance. Right. You know, I don't want my network to be out of control, so I am throttling Netflix, but I'm giving my video streaming service carte blanche right. on the network. But I'm doing it for, you know, under, it's so it's abused by both sides. Right. And uh, that's the danger that's of this saying. whole thing
0: and why we need a better definition than net neutrality, a better word. Um, yeah. All right, moving right along, the Jaha tablet, the thing that won't die is now being crowdfunded.
2: Yes, and I'm part of the crowdfunding. I uh yeah. I'm going to get mine in May. Uh I you know, and this I just want to say a thank you to the element OP uh faithful out there who listen to us pretty much uh our ads are are what bought this for me i i mean i <laughs> i spent a, so it's i'm kind of getting it for free because it's money i get from doing this show so i really appreciate y'all and i'm going to take a look at this and so you know i'll probably use it for a couple of weeks and then put it beside my other three tablets that i haven't turned on in a month so but this is uh, an uh,
0: out, uh, an open source crowd funded tablet running sailfish which i believe is the successor to Dare Migo I say it?
2: lives. Migo. Migo. Yep. Um Somebody you know, didn't double tap. What the heck? <laughs> no, I'm doing the double tap because I like it. It's doomed to failure, so I apologize. Yes. Uh, but no, I mean the specs are pretty decent, and um, the screenshots look good. Yeah. So not I, you that know that it's, matters. It's,
1: <laughs> yeah. Not <laughs> I mean, not that screenshots can't be doctored or nothing.
2: Yeah, it's due in May, so you know. I got in on the not the first wave, but uh, like the third wave. So yeah, two hundred
0: bucks is what they're selling it for right now. Two oh nine, I think, if I'm reading this right. Um, and then and twenty it's, for shipping. It's if if it's even a decent tablet for two twenty nine after shipping.
1: Yeah, that's fine. That's great. Yeah, it's a win. The only thing when you look down the specs line is the uh, the battery is kind of small compared to the other ones.
2: Yeah, the battery. So is I wonder
1: how small. much. I wonder how much ch- um, battery life you'll have. Uh, I'm I'm interested to hear Seth. Oh, I I can't wait to hear what you think of it.
0: Two gigs of RAM, yeah. 32 gig storage, plus a uh, an SD card slot for expansion. Um, a uh, 2048 by 1356 uh, IPS display, which is in retina to use that term. Five mm-hmm. megapixel rear camera. That's eh, a little little long, a little weak. weak. Um. Yeah, why It's the same as the
2: iPad Mini three. Yeah. So, oh yeah.
0: So it's it's all going to be about the OS. How good is yep. the OS?
1: That's and that's why I'm curious. Because if Sailfish OS can can hammer at home, maybe I'll look about moving. You know, I I'm curious. I don't know. Even though I even though I want to double tap it, they're not going to have the ecosystem. Curious.
0: So it's going to be like you know,
2: but. They're gonna you're gonna be able to load Android apps apparently. So if you don't like the ecosystem, you're gonna be able to somehow do that. And like to me, I think Android is too big and has too big of a market share. So I'm I'm coming off of my Android recommendation. I I, I just think over eighty percent is too big. You're so,
1: underdogging it.
2: You're so, underdogging yeah, it. You're betting on the underdog. Uh, not competition, <laughs> but I'm I'm supporting to maintain diversity in the uh, in the tablet and uh, smartphone OS. Well,
0: as long as we're on the topic of open source hardware, let's talk about a Stallman-approved laptop, the Librem 15.
2: Oh good! Oh good! Yes, this um, they're trying their funding over at CrowdSupply.com. They're not having the same success. (laughs) (laughs) $38,000
0: raised of their $250,000 goal.
2: Yes. Uh, whereas, uh, Jala is like, uh, 3 million of their $250,000 goal in a shorter period of time. But I mean, the specs on this laptop are not bad, but it is open source. It is very expensive. Um, you know, your laptop is going to be $1,500 basically. Um, and for fifteen hundred dollars, you could buy a heck of a lot, la- a heck of a yeah. lot beefier laptop than this. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to, you know, I mean, I'd like to get someone from the uh, EFF on here, and so I want to show them <laughs> some love. And uh, well, I'm about to torpedo
0: that right now when I read this line that says, "The reality is that unless every aspect of your kernel, operating system, software, and applications are free, slash libre, and open source." There's no way to know that your computer is truly working in your best interest. Purism is the first to
1: solve this problem. Wow.
0: I I don't even need to comment on that. The statement alone (laughs) is nutty enough.
1: It's ludicrous.
2: I totally agree with you that it is over the top and extremely way overboard, but I'm glad we have somebody on that side that far out in the loony bin. That's true. (laughs)
1: You yeah, know, we got to have that because, far, far side, right?
2: <laughs> I mean, you need, you need the fringe right and the fringe left. So you'll see how good hanging out in the middle can be. You know, if everybody was in the middle and you didn't know what was on either extreme, it would be awful. But when you look over there and you go, that guy's a fruitcake and you look <laughs> over there and go, that guy's a loony bin. I don't want to go either direction. It's perfect right here in the middle. So, um, but you no, know, I, I would not, I mean, you know, if I want, if I found the winning lottery ticket, I would buy one of these, but I would not do this. It's too much for me. You know, I'm giving up some of my, uh, some of my get off my lawn. Uh, let me watch my cat videos in priest, uh, in peace, tinfoil body suit in order to have affordable tech. I understand that. And, you know, I'll, uh, I'll let the radiation poison me to sleep every night because of it. <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> so if you configure this thing with eight gigs of RAM, which isn't a lot, um, a one terabyte SSD and a DV, CD, DVD, it goes up to two grand. Um, Jeez. so this is trying to be a MacBook Air essentially. Um, and it's trying, it's fully open sourced hardware, meaning that anybody who understands circuitry, can look at it and say, yup, there's no backdoors hard-coded here. But, you know, there's like 7% of the world that can do that. So, uh, good luck to them. I, I would like to see, I am honestly, truly would like to see them succeed on this. Uh, but, wow, that's a long road to hoe.
2: Yeah, no kidding. I would I would buy one. I, I would pay a small premium for that. I would not pay that premium. Um, because that's, I mean, that's a, you know, it's a $1,500 Librem laptop. It's a $500 Wintel book, basically. (laughs) So it's not worth a thousand dollars to me. Yeah. It would be worth something, but it wouldn't be worth tripling the price.
0: All right. Uh, and something that is working out well, Linux and supercomputing. Duh.
2: Yay. Yeah, linux <laughs> owns supercomputing. Uh, it still has the November 2014 Top 500 came out, and 485 of the 500 uh, fastest computers in the world run Linux. Um, let me see. What's the number here? Uh, Unix is 13. Uh, one runs Windows, so Windows made the list, um, and then the other one is a mixed operating system. All right. So, you know, I mean, that's that's our Linux content for the week, I guess.
0: <laughs> and if you if you want to learn how to run a supercomputer, our friends over at the linuxacademy.com can help you out with that. Their
1: Good goal
0: is to take you from being a guy who knows a little bit about stuff to a guy who knows how to run a Linux supercomputer. Yes. Well, maybe not, but at least a server <laughs> admin. Um, and you, you know the spiel, right? Step by step video courses, um, uh, the, some of the highest quality content on the internet, but it's not just video courses. They don't just stop like there. Other places stop right there. Linux Academy goes way, way farther. Um, if you're a, a, a pen and paper kind of guy or a, printer and paper kind of guy they have pdf study guides that that are time coded with the video so that can, you can follow along with what you're doing they have uh, uh practice exams they have tests they have quizzes um but what i think the two cool features are, are the new are newly updated lab platform so we've talked about them forever they had the virtual lab thing um and you can now run up to four servers running at the same time, virtual machines running on the Internet at one time, interacting with each other, interacting with the real world uh, in a safe environment so that you don't have to blow anything up. Um, and you, can, you have your control over your own DNS and all that sort of stuff all in your little sandbox little place at no additional charge. That right there is huge, but they just throw it in there. Oh, yeah, by the way. Here's the, here's the new Linux thing that we're going to throw in there. And then to make sure that you're staying on top of what you're doing, they have their learning plans where you tell them, I want to do, you know, I want to finish this course and I've got three hours a day, three days a week to devote to it they'll put together a Linux plan they'll send you emails every day saying hey here's what you got to do today you're a little behind on this yeah you might want to spend some time studying this you need to complete this quiz today it's like a you know your own friendly little tutor uh helping you out and and let's not forget the community inside there once you get through the gates of the Linux Academy um you're interacting directly with the instructors and not just the instructors, but other people on the same journey you are with a very active uh, forum, uh, uh, user forum in there. And they respond to listeners and uh, uh, not listeners, customers. Um, and they're they're very quick to respond. You know, Seth has commented on that in his experience. We've had other uh, people. Watching the, listening to the show tell us how they, they suggest something, they ask a question and bam, immediately or very soon thereafter, they get a response from Anthony or from one of the other guys, uh, with, you know, okay, here's this thing that you asked for done. There's so much more than just videos on the internet, but you know what? The price is about the same as you're going to go to other places and get videos on the internet. 25 bucks a month is their base price. For 25 bucks a month, you get the learning plans, you get the labs, you get the study guides, you get the practice quizzes, you get the the videos, you get the interaction, you get the forums, you get people who really care about you for 25 bucks a month. That's pretty amazing. But that's at the high end of the price. If you want to buy 3 months at a time, buy a quarter it's only $20 a month. 60 bucks for a quarter. You want to you want to go all out, buy a year upfront, 199 for a year. That breaks down to less than $17 a month. You just can't go wrong. You're not going to find this quality for this price anywhere on the internet. And not only do I think they're great, but independent third parties, EIA, TIA, um, uh, Linux uh, Plus, Linux, what's, yeah, the Linux Plus people. CompTIA. Uh, Yeah, CompTIA. uh, uh, And the the LPIC. LPIC. Thank you. My brain just went away. They have all certified this as high-quality content. It's, It's not just me saying it, and it's not just the listeners to this show saying it. It's people in the industry saying, we want you to learn our stuff, and these people will teach you the stuff that we, that we want you to learn. That's, that's as good as you're going to find anywhere else. LinuxAcademy.com, use the referral code EveryDLinux, and let them know that we sent you when you get there.
2: Yeah, guys, I just want to say, if you're interested in getting into the computer field, this is where you need to go. Um, you learn at your own pace. So I know sometimes when you're just starting out, you know, you don't want to be that guy in the class, you know, that is stopping to hold everyone up, asking questions. Um, this is a great thing because you go at your own pace. You can watch, you can rewatch. You don't have to sit through one eight hour lecture, but it's broken out in the small time frames. Wait till you have a week free or so by one month and try it for just one month. And then when you see you like it, then go for the, go for one of the larger plans, probably the year, uh, the year thing just to get the most for your money. And it would take less than a year for you to have the credentials and be able to understand enough to get a job as a Linux admin. All right. If you're diligent again, you still have to do the work. Yeah. Yeah. You can't just pay the money and, you know, poof. Um, but if you're going to work, this is a great place to work at. All right. Moving on with our news,
0: uh, WhatsApp had a bit of a windfall when Google bought them for $3 billion. Oof. And the uh, CEO has uh, and co-founder has decided, you know what, we're going to pass that windfall on to somebody we love, in particular, BSD.
2: Yes, you know, basically they use FreeBSD as like kind of their back end stuff. So they kind of put their money uh where their project was and they gave a million dollar donation to the Free BSD project. Um, you know, FreeBSD has been around longer um than Linux. I believe I know BSD has, and I think FreeBSD has, but it's got it's got the pedigree. Is that the right word? Pedigree. Pedagogy pedigree. Um, yeah. Yeah. Pedigree. Like it's got the pedigree of, uh, you know, tracing the, its roots back to the computer systems of yore back when it was all puppies and kittens and the <laughs> world was a great place. Um, <laughs> but a free BSD can trace itself back to the end. And so they've got enough money to, you know, a million dollars. It'll at least get them through the holiday season. Yeah. I
1: would hope so.
0: And so he says that, uh, he got into computers because of BSD and he's a billionaire now because of BSD. So wow. awesome. Spence. That's. That's great.
1: That is awesome, you know. And it just goes to show that, you know, just because somebody sells out their app for a few billion
2: dollars doesn't mean they don't they they forget where they came from. That's awesome. I mean, come on, he made a billion and he gave a million. <laughs> That's
0: well, this I mean, time still, he may give a million yeah. next year.
2: Yeah, right. Yeah, but I mean, or, you know,
1: and uh, his next, maybe his next uh, billion dollar project, he'll give him another million. So right. I mean, I, I've, a lot of times those, those entrepreneur guys that make a big monster project like that and that make, you know, billions of dollars, they don't just stop at one. You know, they're three or four times coming back to the well and, and making a new product. So maybe we'll see something more for that guy.
2: Yeah, it's probably why I'll never be one of those because I would stop after one and I would just be, (laughs) I would just, you know, try to, you know, coast to the end of life as I'm spending the last of my billion. Uh, I don't know. So that's probably, I guess, why I won't ever be one.
0: Well, you know, the people who make a billion dollars are people who are driven. And when you're driven, you don't stop at a billion.
2: Yeah. Right.
1: Nor do they stop with one with, like I said, that nor do they stop at once because it's like, all right. I did it once. Let's do it again and again and again and again. I mean, look at someone like Kevin Rose. He's not a billionaire, but he's close. But how many times has he gone back to the well? It's just crazy. Yeah.
0: All right. And our last news story, um, you know, we've talked a lot about Netflix and uh, it's been uh, bandied about frequently that Netflix takes up to 80% of downloads during prime time. Uh, But, you know, there's a bigger upstream effect than you might think as well.
2: Yes. Um so Netflix takes up to nine and a half percent of upstream traffic. So again, this is, you know, Netflix, one thing using up basically one tenth of the uh upstream bandwidth of the internet. And so, you know, that kind of it's one tenth of what's going up and what, over a half of what's coming down. Yeah. So that just tells you that Netflix is wildly popular, and you can do a lot to somebody, but as long as you don't take their Netflix, they probably won't care. Yeah. Um,
0: and that upstream, you might say, what does Netflix need to upstream? It's all the, uh, the bit checking. Hey, did you get what I sent you? Are yep. you good with that? Did that come in the right order? Do I need to resend anything? Yep, everything's yep. good
2: here. Send the next packet.
0: Yep, everything's good here. Send the next packet. Nine and a half percent.
2: Just well, I mean, and also re- the movie itself, right? You know, the well, that's the, the coming down, itself. right? So the upstream. Well, but they also have to send it up. Well, so. that's true,
0: but not during peak eye. Well, that's yeah, okay. They got to send it out from their CDN.
2: You're right. Yeah,
1: but still, that's a lot of traffic. Even if there is a little bit of that of the the backend stuff happening, that's still a lot of traffic going up just for acknowledgement packets, saying yes, I got that. Send mm-hmm. the next one. That's Yeah, a lot. and
2: BitTorrent is number one at 25.5% <laughs> uh upstream. So that's – and then just general HTTP is third at 7%. And then Secure is fourth at just barely over 7%. And YouTube, so between Netflix and YouTube, YouTube is over 6%. That's yeah. just – that's a wow. lot of – Man, what did people do before we could just sit and mindlessly zone out? I bet you I know what they did. I bet you they did simple math. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No wonder math skills are so bad. I had a friend in high
0: school, Charles, I'm telling on you if you're listening, who would take home his algebra book and do extra work for fun because he was just one of those guys. Yep. Um, And when he finished his algebra two book, he went and asked the teacher for the trick book. And, you know, just that was his fun thing. He could just sit down and do numbers. I always was jealous of his ability to just pull things out of the air. He, he was one of those guys who could just see stuff. Um, yep. And it was just fun for him. I'm, I'm going to go, what are you doing tonight? I'm going to work through chapter six and through eight of the Algebra 3 book that I bought. Just, he was amazing like that.
1: Yeah, I, I've known a couple people that are like that too, and they. Then just he got blew my the internet,
0: mind. and it was nothing but porn from it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, but it wouldn't surprise me if people like him don't exist anymore because there's Minecraft and porn available.
2: Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, I know. Uh, when I was in seventh grade, if you went to history in Texas, we had this humongously thick brown book and so if you're if you're in your late 30s early 40s you probably know what i'm talking about i had that thing read before thanksgiving so uh yeah i wasn't i wasn't the math guy but i was like the history guy i was that guy i i read my history book for fun so um
0: and then when that was done you went on to reading phone books <laughs>
2: uh, i'm telling I come you i back uh
0: uh-huh. <laughs> Well, while you were doing that, I was freaking writing databases. So you know we're
2: we're <laughs> equally nerds. <laughs> yes, D- different topics, but same yeah. end result.
0: Teacher gave me a key to the building so I could let myself in to use the computer lab on the weekends and late at night. I was that big. Hey, of
2: and that that's how country we were too. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Right. Yeah. You could do that back then without getting fired.
0: Yeah. All right, Seth, while we're talking about the olden days, what happened
2: this week in history? All right. This is going to, this blew my mind when I came across this fact, not factoid, but fact. Um, where'd he go? Okay. November 23rd, 1992. The first smartphone, the IBM Simon. Is introduced at Comdex in Las Vegas, Nevada. You say, I've never heard of the Simon. Well, this is back when it took money to own a cell phone. But in addition to phone calls, it could do things such as it could receive faxes and um, pages. Um, and then it was a PDA and a calculator and stuff like that. So it was a ama- 1993, people. This is like, it blew my mind. Yeah, First it hit could the
0: streets faxes. in 94.
2: Right. Because there were some production. They sold uh,
0: 50,000 units.
2: And wow. back then, that was a lot. You know, these days it's nothing. But back then, it took something to own a cell phone. You know, now you have to, like, you can trip over them on the street because people just drop them because they're worthless. But it took money back then. It, it sold for, like, a few thousand dollars. Um. But, yeah, I mean, I it blew my mind that in the early 90s you had a phone that could receive and send faxes, emails, and pages. And it was also the PDA, it had the address book, calendar, appointment scheduler, stuff like that. And it could do handwritten annotations with standard and predictive stylus um, input screen.
0: Yeah. So, you know, Apple didn't invent the smartphone, by the way. <laughs> um, they invented they just- the modern smartphone. I'll give them that. But uh, Yeah. So cool. Uh, that's it. That's all we got. So this is the part where we now move on to the links of the week. Seth, what have you got to do to bring down my productivity? No, not this week. We're continuing <laughs> no. the theme this week.
2: No, I, I this is a this is a gooey kid public service announcement. GC <laughs> <Jeez. laughs> GCFlearnfree.org slash math. Uh, you can do such things as addition and subtraction, multiplication and division, fractions, decimals, percents. Uh, and there's even a button if you're good at math, they let you click on. So, um, this is someone who worked in fast food, but if you know somebody who works in fast food today, you probably need to refer them to this site. Uh, hate to say it guys, but I'm just saying.
1: Basically- well, this might be. This might be a good site for me to have my kid work on. He's got, he's, he's got a, he's has a problem with math. So this might be something for him to use.
0: Oh, I just got a 404 error, but it's a great 404 error. It says, much like the lock disk monster, the page you requested does not exist.
1: Ooh, that is a good one.
0: <laughs> Disappointing, but fun. All right, folks, this is the part of the show where I tell you how you can contact us. You want to be one of the uh, listeners who we spotlight at the top of the show. You want your question answered. You want your comment uh, read. You want your truth to be told. The way you do that is go to elementop.com and click the top of the button. Click the contact top of the button page thing. Click the <laughs> contact us button at the top of the page, and that will let you fill out a form uh, with a super difficult CAPTCHA. Um, and then yeah, you will, they're horrible. Uh, you'll fill that out and send <laughs> us an email or if you just want to do it yourself, um, uh, use your mail client of choice, send an email to edl at elementop.com. That'll go to all three of us. Or if you would like your voice to appear right here alongside mine, you can call 559-IMOP anywhere in North America. That's a free call. Um. Or uh, use the voice, leave us a voicemail widget again at the top of the page, and Google Voice will call you if you're too lazy to even dial 559 IMOP. We look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for being awesome for listening to this show. Uh, if you'd like to show us some financial love, uh, we'll take a million dollars. If you made a yeah, billion no dollars based off of your listening to uh, Everyday Linux, we'll take a million.
1: Uh, just so. Or- Or if you just want to give us a hundred million, we we won't mind. No problem at all. Yeah,
0: a billion would be fine too. I mean, if you want to give us the whole billion, we'll we'll do nice
1: things with it. Yeah, think of the tax write off you could have if you did that.
0: (laughs) A hundred percent tax write off—that'd be great. Yeah. or if you just want to do your shopping at Amazon using the elementopi.com slash Amazon link, it won't cost you a penny, we make a few bucks that way. Uh, if you want to show us some some love over at uh, elementopi.com slash Patreon, that would be awesome as well. Sign up for any amount, a couple bucks to a hundred bucks, to whatever you want to do, uh, and that'll support the show and we appreciate that. And of course, there's always the tip jar at the top of the page there if you want to just kick some money. If you don't want to do any of those things, please, at the very least, tell people about the show. That's all we ask. And thank you for being an awesome listener. Chris, Seth, as always, thank you for being awesome hosts. And that ends this episode of Everyday